Okay. All right. So we're going to hop in and get this thing started. I'm going to actually be reading the question twice um, just to kind of make sure that after I read it and it's in the chat. So we'll start. A social worker is conducting, I'm writing this in the chat as I put it, an initial assessment with a client who has the following symptoms. You're going to see it in chat in a minute. I'll repeat. They have depression. They have persistent sadness. They have loss of interest. They have significant weight loss. Okay. Now, symptoms have been present for about six months. Okay, there's your duration. During the assessment, the client mentions experiencing occasional panic attacks. What is the first step? Should the social worker take? Okay. So I'm going to put A, conduct a assessment of the client panic attack symptoms B explore the client's history of trauma and adverse childhood experiences then we got C administer a standardized depression screening tool to assess the severity of depressive symptoms. And then we have D, refer the client to a psychiatrist for med eval. All right, so I'm going to repeat this. A social worker is conducting an initial assessment with a client who presents with symptoms of depression, including persistent sadness, loss of interest, and previously enjoyed activities and significant weight loss. The client reports that these symptoms have been present for the past six months. During the assessment, the client mentions experiencing occasional panic attacks. What is the first step the social worker should take in this assessment. So we have A, conduct a thorough assessment of the client's panic attack symptoms. We have B, explore the client's history of trauma and adverse childhood experiences. We have C, administer a standardized depression screening tool to assess the severity of depressive symptoms. We have D, refer the client to a psychiatrist for med 
medication evaluation due to the chronic nature of the symptoms. I did kind of paraphrase D for time purposes. With that, let's look at A. I'm going to check the chat as well. Are we keeping A or are we going to throw it out? Throw it out. Okay, good, good. B? Throw it out. Throw it out. Okay, C? Keep it. Keep it. Keep it. D? Oh, no. Keep it. Can you read it again? Can you read D, D again? Is, yeah, I can read D again. Refer the client to a psychiatrist for medication evaluation due to the chronic nature of the symptoms. Most Throw it out. Not right now. <laughs> well, it's the initial visit. Initial. I'm letting y'all fight this out. So, well, let me ask you a question because, oh lord, if you, <laughs> I just want to ask a question because my question is is that you say refer to the psychiatrist for medical. Um, that only treating the symptom, not the problem. So, is she saying she has, you know, um, I would want to assess more to see the severity of the depression if it's messing with her biological eating, sleeping, if she lost interest in a lot of things. I need to know more about that. So mm -hmm. that's what I that's why I would do C because okay. it's okay. If you want to know, usually with depression, it has to make a, a major disruption in their biological function. What is that? They eating and sleeping. They lost interest. And this mm -hmm. here doesn't say that. So I'll I'll probably go with C and that's definitely that's just me. I gotcha. Well, with that, I'm going to give you guys the answer. Lauren, where are you left now? I'm looking at the chat. Um, so, so Don Hines, who says it's too soon to assess the needs for meds, no indication that this is needed during the initial session. One of the things that I love, love, yes, <laughs> one of the things that I love, love, loved was that you guys mentioned initial assessment. Now, remember here, this is an application question. So if you see termination, discharge planning, initial assessment, you got to think about what clinical skills am I using at that time? Now, she's presenting with these symptoms of depression, which are all valid. They're giving a duration, which is great. We shouldn't be diagnosing at this point. So D would be out. We don't need to refer just yet. It's initial too soon, just as Dawn said. It's definitely going to be C. So you were correct, her name. Administer a standardized depressive screen tool to assess the severity of depressive symptoms. That should be the first step in assessment to, is to do that screening to assess the severity of the client's depressive symptoms. This step helps determine the extent of the depression and informs the treatment planning process. Addressing the primary concern, which is the depression, is essential before any other symptoms are explored. So good job. With that, any comment there, I'm gonna put in the next one. Your teaching did this. <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> I hope so, because you, you ain't got long. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna leave that low. With that, I'm gonna put in the next one. I'm gonna read it. <laughs> Lauren says, oh shoot. <laughs> A social worker. Say that again. I picked 
but I thought we were like keeping two, so that's why I said keep D. But I oh no, I got you. I got you. Okay. I'm sorry for did you clarify. I apologize. But yeah, if you picked C, you are absolutely correct, and hopefully the rationale made sense to you as well. Okay, a social worker is working with a client who has been diagnosed. And by the way, when I put diagnosed and tracked, it's DX. That's abbreviation with GAD, Generalized Anxiety Disorder. The client has symptoms of excessive worry, muscle tension, restlessness, and difficulty concentrating. Okay. The social worker and client have have collaborated on treatment plans that include CBT as the primary intervention. Now, what is the most appropriate next step? I'm going to put A, begin CBT sessions immediately to address the client's anxiety symptoms. Then we got B, refer the client to a psychiatrist for medication management of anxiety. We got C, conduct an in-depth assessment of the client's childhood experiences. Then we have D, engage the client in psychoeducation about the nature of generalized anxiety disorder and treatment approaches, okay? So I'm gonna read this over from the beginning. Let me just put my AirPods in you guys so you don't hear the outside. Okay, tell me you guys, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, good, Very good, well. Good. Oh, good, 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 all right. So a social worker is working for a client who has been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. The client experiences excessive worry, muscle tension, restlessness, and difficulty concentrating. The social worker and client have collaborated on a treatment plan that includes CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy as a primary intervention. What is the most appropriate next step in the treatment process? A, begin CBT sessions immediately to address the client's anxiety symptoms. 
B, refer the client to a psychiatrist for medication management of anxiety. C, conduct an in-depth assessment of the client's childhood experiences. D, engage the client in psychoeducation about the nature of GAD and treatment approaches. With that, let's start with A. I'm gonna check the chat as well at the same time. Do we keep A or do we get rid of it? What are we doing with it? Get rid of it. Okay. B. Get rid Throw of it. Out. Yeah, throw it out. C. Throw it out. Throw it out. Throw it out. D. Keep it. Keep it. Anyone want to pop off and say why it would be D? Don't y'all get quiet at the same time now. The reason, why, <laughs> the reason why I pick D is because even though you're doing cognitive behavior therapy, it's a distorted way of thinking and it brought up her anxiety, but also what type of treatment approach you can use with C CBT and tell, okay, we are going to do cognitive behavior therapy, but there's also a different type of approach how you can do it. So that's, you know, and give her ed education about it. And that also by giving her the education, you also change in her distorted way of thinking about the anxiety. Okay. I'll take one more comment. I believe Brittany, you had something. I did. I'm sorry. I'm keep trying to get back to the chat. Okay. I'm back. I'm a little stuck. I think I'm reading too much into it. Like the last sentence. Wait a minute, the second to the last, the social worker client have collaborated on treatment plans that include CBT. To me, it's like they've only, it appeared that they, that they talked about it. They haven't actually utilized CBT. And I am stuck in between, um, I'm stuck between D and A. Um, I don't know. I am too, Brittany. Okay, so we're gonna talk it through, okay? I'm just also checking the chat too. So let's talk it through. So I'm going to go back and remember guys on the exam, you're going to be able to highlight, right? One of the things I always say, and I remember saying this to Derek a lot during our time together is you always want to focus on who are you as in your role, you're just a social worker, who is your client that always brings you to, if there's a description for the client, is there an age where, there is nothing to says client. It says they're diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Cool. Let me highlight the diagnosis so it pops out. Now we have all the symptoms there of GAD. Okay, cool. And then it says that you and your client have collaborated on a treatment plan to include CBT as a primary intervention, which is an evidence-based practice for anxiety disorder. So now what are they testing? This is kind of giving you guys a little clue here. They're testing your knowledge of the assessment process. This is an application question regarding the assessment diagnosis and treatment planning section, which on the master's is about 28%, 30% on the clinical exam and about 24% on the bachelor's exam. The underlying piece here that speaks out to me is when it says, what is the most appropriate next step in the treatment process? Next is just like first. So you have to think about, she's been diagnosed with GAD, 
you're using, you're going to be using the evidence-based practice. You've done the treatment planning piece, right? You're collaborating on a treatment plan. If I'm looking at A, B, and C, and D, one A says begin. I'm glad you guys took that out too soon. Refer, there's no reason to refer the client for a psychiatrist at this point, right? Conduct an in-depth assessment. We've done that already. And it, the other piece is we don't need to include the childhood experiences. The only appropriate answer is going to be D. Engage the client's psychoeducation about the nature of generalized anxiety disorder and treatment approaches. It's the primary intervention is to engage a client in educating them about the nature of that diagnosis and the treatment approaches. So by providing the client with information about the diagnosis and the treatment plan, it helps to build an understanding for them. Motivation and collaboration, that's key. It's the foundation for a successful therapeutic alliance. And it also ensures the client is well informed about the process and goals. The key word in D was education. Does that make sense? Yep. Yes. Okay. Ashley says, I think she has a question. Ashley, psychoeducation is the beginning step of CPT. It is because you have to educate the client in order for it to work. You got to be able to educate your client about the evidence-based practice that you're using. You also have to make sure that even if it's an evidence-based practice, I know this is a sidebar, but you got to remember I used to be a therapist. It's one of my specialties in CBT. Um, you have to educate your client on using that modality so they understand the connection between their thoughts, their behaviors, and their feelings. The more they realize and gain insight of the connection, the more that they're able to change the interaction, hence changing the behavior. Very, very important when it comes to anxiety disorder. They're already anxious enough. So with that being said, uh, we will move on from that. And also speaking as someone that has generalized anxiety disorder, it's very important to understand that thought-feeling connection. With that being said, we're going to go to the next question. I think you guys pretty much got that one. Is that better? Is that a great understanding? Yes. Okay. I feel like a professor sometimes in here, so <laughs> and I'm not one. All right, so we're going to go to the next one. A social worker is providing therapy to a client who has disclosed that they engaged in fraudulent activities that have harmed others. The client expressed remorse and a desire to make amends. Or there, yes, ma'am. Oh, I couldn't hear you for a second. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I'm going to repeat the question again. For their actions, the social worker is bound. by their ethical principles that prioritize the client's confidentiality 
now I'm going to skip the part where it says uh, the question because basically it's saying what is the most ethical course of action you should take. So what's going to be the first thing you do? I'm just going to go to it to the um, answer choices. Maintain a strict client confidentiality. and avoid disclosure of the client's fraudulent activities okay so there's a B, encourage the client to report their fraudulent activities to the authorities as a means of making amends. We got C. Seek legal advice to determine whether the social worker is obligated to report the client's actions. And then we got D, share the client's disclosure with a trusted colleague during a supervision session without revealing the client's identity. So I am going to repeat this, just making sure everyone heard me. I don't know if I went out. So a social worker is providing therapy to a client who has been recently disclosing um, that's been engaging in fraudulent activities that have harmed others. The client expresses remorse and a desire to make amends for their actions. The social worker is bound by ethical principles that prioritize client confidentiality. What is the most ethical course of action for the social worker in this situation? We have A, maintain strict client confidentiality and avoid any disclosure of the client's fraudulent activities to anyone. B, encourage the client to report their fraudulent activities to the authorities as a means of making amends. C, seek legal advice to determine whether the social worker is obligated to report the client's actions. D, share the client's disclosure with a trusted colleague during a supervision session without revealing the client's identity. So let's start with A. Do we throw it out? Do we keep it? Throw it out. You'll lose your license for that. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Throw it out. <laughs> you lose your license. <laughs> All right. B. I'll keep it for a minute. C. I'll keep that for a minute too. D. I would throw it out because you're breaking confidentiality, but then again, it says supervision. I'm just gonna bro. I'm just gonna throw that out for you, okay? Yeah, throw it out. <laughs>
So now we have encourage the client, seek legal advice. Just look at those first three, the first three um, words of each, right? So remember, it, it's mentioning this is an ethical question. So it's testing your ethical principles that prioritize client confidentiality. Pay attention to that piece. Based on that piece, is it B or C? B. B, I'm learning towards D. You didn't want to encourage him. B is correct. You want to encourage him. B is, sorry, Lauren. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> so B is the answer. The most ethical course of action in this situation is to encourage a client to report their fraudulent activities to the authorities as a means of making amends. While the social worker typically prioritizes client confidentiality, there are exceptions to this. When there is a clear and imminent risk of harm to others, in this case, the client's ability to have harmed others and encourages them to take responsibility and make amends aligns with ethical principles of social work. It is also promoting accountability and well-being of those affected by the client's actions. Okay. Hopefully that was helpful. It's pretty quiet. <laughs> Extremely. <laughs> so I'm glad I need some good questions, ain't they? Yeah, I remember the last time when we did the study group and we oh. struggled with the first one. Anytime you see danger to others, you automatically have to do something. You don't maintain because I remember when you said in our study group, we can lose mm -hmm. our license behind that. Mm -hmm. And that stuck and that stuck in my head. Oh, good. You know, right, you're knowingly he's, he's doing something fraudulently and he's hurting someone and you're gonna keep it confidential. So if you go back out there and do it, and he said, well, I discussed this with my therapist and everything, that's what the turn off, I forgot the other part. They're gonna say, why didn't you say something? So mm -hmm. when they come after you, you'll lose your license behind that. Lawrence says the wording of A was awful. Hey, that may be true, but guess what? You can't fight with someone that's not there when you're in front of that uh, testing screen, okay? <laughs> So, you know, we can fight with the wording or we just learn how to break it down. That's all we can do, Lauren. Um, I understand the word is horrible, but we cannot fight. We can't fight with it. Okay, we can't. Um, so let me uh, go to the next one and then I got to get ready to leave y'all. Okay, because I'm late for a group. All right, so a social worker is providing psychotherapy to a client who has been diagnosed Hold on guys, sorry, I'm skipping with PTSD following a traumatic incident during therapy session 
the client. Begins to experience intense emotional distress and has a flashback related to the trauma. Okay, the client becomes disoriented and visibly distressed sorry my um <laughs> my uh spelling is off what is the first step the social worker should take Okay, so we got A, immediately end the therapy group. I mean, therapy session and encourage the client to seek psychiatric care. I will read the question over again, just the clarity. Then we got B, continue with therapy sessions and explore the client's flashback experience in detail. C, gently guide the client to focus on grounding techniques in the present moment d document the client's experience in the session notes for future reference okay how quickly I see the tags blown. I can't, I can't put the last one in. <laughs> I was trying to, the clubhouse won't let me put the last one in. I think because you guys are kind of going off in the chat. I'm trying. Hold on. Hold on. It's, oh, Lord. It won't let me put D in there, but it don't matter. D is out. Hold on. A social worker is providing psychotherapy to a client who has been diagnosed with PTSD following a traumatic incident. During therapy sessions, the client begins to experience intense emotional distress and has a flashback related to the trauma. The client becomes disoriented and visibly distressed. What is the first step the social worker should take? Immediately end the therapy session, encourage the client to seek psychiatric care. B, continue with the therapy session, explore the client's flashback experience in detail. C, gently guide the client to focus on a grounding technique in the present moment. D, document the client's experience in session notes for future reference. Thank you, C. It's... Okay, is everyone in agreement? C. Yes. yes. C. C is the answer. 
a check in the chat as well. So the first step should take in this situation is to gently guide the client to focus on grounding techniques. That's an evidence-based intervention and mostly just emotional regulation and uh, to be in the present moment. When a client with PTSD experiences flashback, it's disorienting to them. It's essential for them to be helped to regain a sense of safety and control. Grounding techniques can assist the client reconnecting with the present, reducing stress, preventing further escalation, ensuring the client's immediate well-being is a priority in this scenario. Okay, guys. So that is it for this evening. I do got to go because my group is blowing me up. So hopefully this session um, was helpful to you and definitely know how to hit me up during the week. And I will make sure both of these podcasts are up within the next 48 to 72 hours. With that, thank you guys. Have a good night. 